Oh, shit. Episode 457, Comedy Film Nords, halfway to 914. First episode of March. Yeah, it is mm-hmm. the first episode of March, which is exciting. Yes. You just got to be aware of the Ides. <laughs> the Ides of March. All right, Chris, <laughs> come on. Come on. You know, the uh, Shakespeare references will come into play uh, in the next episode <laughs> the next as well. Episode. <laughs> You'll be able to tell that this week's and next week's were recorded uh, the same afternoon. Yeah. Um, and in reverse order. In reverse order. So... <clears throat> Um, I don't know. I feel like, is there any sort of thing we need to talk about? Um, you know, no, the hell with it. No, the hell no, no. I'm, right. I'm just angry that there's nothing to talk about. That's <laughs> you felt really disappointed. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know what? There has to be. No, there isn't. You were really mad. Yeah. You're really mm. mad. Um, disappointment turns to anger, Graham. It does. All right. <laughs> Episode 457. Um, with nothing to report at the top nothing nothing, nothing happened oh i'll say this uh, I, I did a bunch of shows in chicago not good enough not <laughs> failure you are a failure um uh, i want to thank everybody that came out there were some film nerds that came out to the shows i was did. it the zanies yeah i did the zanies mm-hmm. all three of them i did the zanies mm-hmm. in st charles the one in the downtown uh Chicago, the original one that's been there since 1978 that has mm-hmm. a headshot of me from 1992 awesome you can see me wearing a vest over a t-shirt Thank God it's not full length, so we don't see the acid wash jeans and the <laughs> peg leg party cuff that I used to like to wear. But we could draw that in if we want. It's there. The 90s were complicated, guys. There was a lot of weird things yeah. happening. Yeah, it's nobody's fault. <laughs> it's nobody's fault. It's a little on me. It's a little on me. I knew what I was doing. I made an active choice. Yeah. I got to own that. I got to yeah. take responsibility mm-hmm. for who I am. And you didn't even buy the jeans acid watch. You did it yourself. <laughs> I home washed them. Yeah. Yeah, I was doing a home perm and it just all made sense. And then I did uh, four nights out at the uh, the one in Rosemont. So it was a lot of fun. Awesome. So thanks everybody for coming out. Cool. Well, um, we have a uh, first time guest. Today. Another first time guest, everybody. Mm-hmm. Another uh, one of the voices from the Who Shot You podcast, April Wolf, is here. Hi. <laughs> it's me <laughs> thanks for having me on yeah welcome and then you have another podcast called switchblade sisters what's that uh every week i have a female filmmaker on writer director producer actor that kind of thing and we talk about their favorite genre film Ooh. like we've got adrian barbeau coming up <gasps> oh wow i know and i'm not going to tell people what she's going to talk about because it's a surprise so. that's mm-hmm. awesome yeah I would love to just talk to Adrian Barbeau about what her favorite movies are. Oh, my God. I've been doing that by email, and I'm just like, let's just keep the conversation going, you know? Mm-hmm. Tell me more. What else do you like? Give me yeah. more options. Yeah. Fantastic. So what are some of your favorite episodes that you've done thus far, or favorite interviews? Uh, well, we had Emily Gordon on, and mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. a really great, great conversation. Um, we talked about uh, the Craig uh, S. Craig Zoller film, um, Bone Tomahawk. Mm-hmm. And um, Emily is just a very, very uh, astute film watcher, and we get to talk about film craft a lot. So she gave all these really insightful things about how she writes mm-hmm. and stuff that I, you know, I never would have guessed. You know, like how her psychology mind works. That was really awesome. That's cool. Yeah, right on. And those are all on Max Fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, who shot you? I've done it, which was a fun podcast, and we had Ricky. Uh, on the show last month mm-hmm. so yeah i have to email him so yeah i have to get on it's a fun that you guys have a really fun format i really like how we we broke mm-hmm. down a movie and then we talked about all different kinds of stuff and like we were, got into this discussion about la c- crime movies oh god yeah mm-hmm. that's right that, that was awesome just all movies that were shot in la yeah 
that had a crime thing to him. I, that was a really cool conversation. It was such a specific. <laughs> <laughs> it tests your knowledge. Every single time I do it, I, I hope that I can earn the title of film critic. Because I, <laughs> I'm sitting, I'm usually sitting there looking at my phone, hoping that I can remember titles of things. So right. it's part of my life. Yeah, it does definitely feel like. The beauty of Google. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank God. We, uh, you know, we uh, have to check the computer every once in a while as well. Mm, all the time. Wow, you guys are giving away all the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to pretend like we're super smart. Yeah. And then, so you're a film critic. Where, like, where can people? Uh, I used to be LA Weekly and Village Voice. Now I just kind of roam around and I I do whatever writing people ask me to do. AV Club and the Rap is in film comment. I write a lot for mm. those ones. So nice. All right. All right. Let's, well, let's uh, get into it. Let's get into it. Let's start with Fighting With My Family. Now, Graham, you saw this. This is actually based on WWE superstar Paige and her family. Um, you know, it really... Uh, this movie was was fun. It was a blast, and it's mm. based on a true story, obviously. So they did the thing at the end, of the, and spoiler alert a little bit, but, you know, the thing they do at every... Um, drama or docudrama biopic, or whatever, biopic yeah. is they show the actual people at the end right. or whatever so mm-hmm. if you're a big wwe fan you probably know who she is and so yes. they showed her actual family and mm-hmm. and I, you know they did a good job i think it was there were some you know i would call them disney disney moments you know <laughs> that are just sort of like feel good like mm-hmm. you know this is gonna happen but i was fine with it and the rock you know he's crazy engaging um, and Stephen Merchant uh, directed, and, and I think he wrote too. Mm-hmm. Wrote on it. Uh, he's uh, one of the creators of The Office with Ricky Gervais, and he was in The Tooth Fairy with The Rock. I mean, they they kind of have a bit of a history. Um, but um, he's always been so funny. Like, so I figured he'd probably be a really good choice to make this movie. It, you know, it was it was fun, and 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 there's a scene in the movie, and this this makes me like the movie better, where she, uh, you know, she's got dark hair, and she's from the UK so she's not doesn't have a tan and then mm-hmm. for a tryout she dyes her hair blonde and puts on fake and fake tanner and i was like what did that really happen yes that she actually yeah. did that which was part of the whole story if she's mm-hmm. like what's my identity yeah you know because she's at this tryout and there's all these like beautiful like model types and she's like that's not me and so um i was a lot of fun i don't know i'm not a huge WWE fan but it was fun and and you know, it hit the it hit the beats, but I knew that you know you watch the trailer and you're like, okay, that's what this is going to be, true right. story. You know, now, how much was the Rock in it? Like, was he only in a couple of scenes? Because I feel like it's he may not have been a huge part of the story. You know, he was in it enough that it didn't. It wasn't like he was in one scene and like, oh boy, they. They sure did exploit this. Right. It, yeah, we got you for two hours. Yes. <laughs> Everything's green screened around. I'm like, this, it's like Charlize Theron in that Fast and Furious movie. Right. It wasn't It wasn't that. And the scenes that he was in, you know, made sense in the, con. you know, because he's the rock and he's playing the rock. He's playing himself and and all of that. I don't know. It was really, it was, it's what you would expect. And it was fun and had its heartfelt moments and you know when you're on the road in st charles illinois and it's a six dollar matinee you can't go wrong so (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) what about nick frost was he very funny he's supposed to be her father father. yeah Yeah, yeah. you know he was great actually he's he was very funny in that and he played this there's a there's a fun scene where 
his... It's weird seeing him without Simon Pegg, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whenever he shows up, you're like, why? Oh, it's like uh, Attack the Block when he's right. there. And they're like, why? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Where's Simon? Yeah. Um, so in, this is the actual true story. So it's in the movie. So he's got two kids, a son and a daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a scene where the son starts dating this woman and brings their family over. And they're this very prim and proper English parents. And they're in the house of this... You know, Nick Frost is, and his wife, I forget who plays his wife, but she does a great job. Um, But they, in real life, they were like, they met in recovery. They're both like ex-drug addicts. So they're, you know, and you know, the the prim and proper parents are like, well, you know, wrestling's fake. And he's like, I'm sorry. You know, like he (laughs) plays all those moments really well. Um, He was great. He was great as the, as the dad and, and you believed it didn't feel like well this is some over the top this would a dad would never be this he felt and there was some heartfelt moments where you're like oh that's what a dad who's a little nuts about wrestling but he would self-correct and Mm -hmm. and yeah nick frost is great in it um i I, i'd say watch it (laughs) all right fair enough yeah Florence Pugh is one of my favorite actresses right Mm -hmm. now she was in a movie called Lady Macbeth a couple of years ago and that made my top 10 list Mm. and she was Lady Macbeth Mm -hmm. and um, she is a psycho in that movie and it is really tense and she murders people and it is yeah very intense movie she doesn't get Macbeth to do it (laughs) (laughs) so uh, I mean her doing kind of like this old English type of movie and then moving on to a commercial Mm -hmm. wrestling film is i mean i'm excited to see what she does next she's she's young too Mm -hmm. yeah very young Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's really and and all the all the performances were solid and Mm -hmm. there was no yeah there's a bunch of cool little heartfelt reveals in there and vince vaughn is is not being all vince vaughny he's not all like vince vaughny you know he's Mm -hmm. being this kind of hard-ass coach who's just like you know, he's not trying to, he's not being the wise ass. He's being this hard ass coach. That's just like, you know, look around you, half of you are going to be gone. You know, and I'm just, I want, I'm begging to cut people, make it easy for me. Like he's really mm-hmm. pushing these people. Like, I don't know, maybe that's what the WWE training. I mean, WWE. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's gotta be competitive. Yeah. And it's, they, I mean, they, it's their movie. So it's their, their blessing. So they go to their actual training facility in Orlando and you see what they have to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really like, oh wow! I was like, okay, this was this was like, I was like, this is a great way to spend an afternoon mm-hmm. in the middle of Illinois. When it's <laughs> There's always that caveat at the end. I keep mm-hmm. hearing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's a heated movie theater. Check it out. <laughs> it's a heated. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you got to see Roma on the big screen. It's right. not that level mm-hmm. of. But it was it was fun, and it's. You know, and all the performances were good. Mm-hmm. So all right. I'd say check, so it, check out. it out. All right. And uh, all right. Now we have a special preview review mm. that's a, <laughs> of uh, Captain Marvel by our guest. So April, uh, without no spoilers, can you give us a broad Jesus overview Christ. of the uh, of the movie? Because uh, uh, we will be seeing it uh, this weekend. Yeah, we are going to do a spoiler up with yes. Jackie Cation. We're not mm-hmm. sure when that'll drop because I'm mm-hmm. out of town next week, but we definitely right. will do one for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
like even the beginning of this movie is a spoiler. Everything in this movie is a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you, you just need to know it's an origin story first mm-hmm. off, and you've got it. Uh, Brie Larson playing Captain Marvel, and it's set in 1995, or at least that's what we can assume from the blockbuster that she's dropped into when she falls to Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a True Lies poster, there's a Babe poster. Right. You know, she picks up like a two VHS uh, set of uh, the right <laughs> stuff, and uh, there's the radio. Shack, which is where she has to get all of her electronics from, and people have pagers, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, I, I think it definitely evokes the 90s, though. I have a problem with nostalgia pieces. I don't know how you guys feel about the kind of like Stranger Things effect that there has been, where, mm-hmm. you know, you just kind of like set something in a time and place and just kind of uh, reference something like, oh, here's a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> and then everyone laughs because they're supposed to laugh because. Right. Weren't those funny and they were everywhere in the 80s, you know? Right, so. they show a big cell phone and go, wow, look how small the cell phone is. Yeah, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this one, I think, is it's done a letter, like a little bit better of a job of kind of grounding itself in the 90s, which is, um, it's fun because, you know, you've got a full 90s soundtrack with, uh, of course, a lot of songs that have female-fronted, you know, mm-hmm. their female mm-hmm. vocalists. And um I guess it also has some filmmaking techniques, too, that feel somewhat 90s. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, some of the action sequences just kind of remind me of the 90s, which means that I think some people might find it a little bit slow in some parts. Oh, interesting. But for okay. me, I actually kind of appreciated just slower, uh, less complex action sequences. Mm. And you can hear that even reflected in the score. Sometimes that score, I don't know if you guys remember like sci-fi movies that would come out in like the late 90s because this is around like Event Horizon time, right? right? So there's a ton of stuff that's just like, they're just kind of pumping them out. Event Horizon should never be referenced to any point in time. <laughs> I love Event Horizon <laughs> oh my God. so much. I like right. rewatched it earlier and I was This so is where we it. diverge, but that's okay. <laughs> oh God, you know, that's fine. If any listeners want to come over and watch Event Horizon anytime, I will. <laughs> A laser disc. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will, you know, bring you into my cult of Event Horizon <laughs> and Sam Neill. Um, but there's a certain kind of sound that those movies had, um, where they're kind of like pre-Y2K, where they were like, yes, techno, the revolution. And this is before The Matrix in 1999, right? <laughs> so they're kind of inching towards that. And you've got this kind of like pinging digital staccato sound in the yeah. back. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you can kind of like picture that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's definitely inflections of that in the score, which I okay. thought was really fun, you know? Like if you're actually paying attention, the fucking costume designer um, is great because she worked on a ton of stuff in the 90s, like like a ton oh, of space shit. Nice. Like she worked on um, Star Trek Insurrection. Oh, um, yeah. She worked on Mission to Mars. She worked on, oh God, what was the other one? Blade, mm-hmm. you know? So, oh, wow. Yeah, so like if you look at the costumes, specifically what Ben Mendelsohn's character is wearing, Talon, mm-hmm. um, uh, he is a scroll, which is the, you know, the enemy of the Shape-shifting creepy people. aliens. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, I know someone's going to be more specific than me on this. <laughs> podcast um but if you look at his costumes you have this kind of deconstructed look that looks so 90s from that time period you guys like there's there's some things that i see in the reviews that no one was even looking at i'm like were you guys watching the same movie that i was (laughs) because there's some interesting stuff that they were you know looking at for homage of film history so how was brie larson i mean she you know obviously won the oscar for room she's amazing in that um and then I was excited for, with this casting because I was, I, I was like, I think she's a really fantastic actress and we're going to just, we're just scratching the surface. How was it for her seeing her in this 
role because she's never played anything like this really of just like no, big yeah. superhero I think um, there's still a subtlety to her performance, which I think you're going to get from anyone who comes mm-hmm. from an indie background. Uh, for me, that worked um, because it it felt like some of the tone that they were going for was a little bit buffy in performance, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, and so I, it worked for me because there's a kind of... Uh, kid sister quality to her character in the beginning Mm -hmm. which is that she that kind of has to fight against you know Mm. and and i I appreciate it i liked the performance more than i thought about it so the okay the directors anna bowden and ryan fleck they co-directed it and they also they did sugar and half nelson too you guys might remember those Mm -hmm. now i was going to ask too about because they're also writers on it there are eight credited writers on the script which means there were even more writers involved because those are just the credited ones like usually when that happens the script ends up being disjointed and a bit messy like how did it feel um i the thing is that i could see it either way if i didn't know that there were eight writers when i was looking at like the oh like four people got a story by credit um if i didn't see that i could be like oh that's this is still a good movie. This is a great mm. movie. But having seen that, I was like, oh, no, I can see it. I can, you know, I can. Um, and, but I think it works either way. You know, there's, mm. there's almost a PC-ness to this in, you know, it's a little bit kind of fractured and, and I like it. I don't know. Mm. I, I don't enjoy movies that often that have a, a very kind of by the book type of thing. And right. this at least circumvents a little bit of the origin story kind of thing that we're used to. So, and then, so are you overall are you a fan of the marvel films no no okay Mm -hmm. no i don't like it when they're all together Mm -hmm. um (laughs) 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 i come i come to marvel films not as a uh superhero comic book reader Mm -hmm. um you know if i was reading comics i was reading not the superhero ones generally um and you know graphic novels obviously uh so this is a different kind of fandom that I have where I just see them as movies and a lot of them kind of fall short for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had this, you know, fun with this one. And so where do you put this then in terms of a bunch of the other Marvel films? Well, I mean, I think it's from recent ones. I would say Black Panther is still first for me. Thor... Ragnarok would be the next one. I think mm-hmm. it would, this would be after that. Okay. Just because, and, and it, you know, it's really, truly, purely because it's attempting to do something a little bit different, mm-hmm. which has, you know, it's just a little bit different. And and maybe it's just me being like, oh, it's of our time. And 10 years later, I'll be like, oh, fuck that shit. You know, like, <laughs> why do I like that? <laughs> but it's hitting my zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting because, I mean, that's the thing we, we've talked a lot about on this show over the years is how Marvel does a good job of each movie is it's like, this is a war movie. Yeah. This is a spy movie. Spy movie. This is a this, fantasy movie. This is a fantasy movie. Mm-hmm. So this is like a period piece, really, mm-hmm. like a 90s. This is a 90s movie, really. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to see it, man. Yeah, I'm excited to see it this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to see it this weekend. So, all right. Cool. Well, I saw the movie Paddleton, and uh, I have to say, I had low expectations going into this movie. What is this? And uh, this is a Netflix movie, and that right away puts me in a bad mood whenever I say Netflix movie, uh, because there are so many horribly unwatchable Netflix movies there. Why do you keep going back? Here's why. Because of of math. 
I figure probability wise, uh, a good one has to sneak through eventually. The universal language, yes, is what keeps Chris going. Because you know, for every Roma, there's you know twenty unwatchable movies. But so I thought, okay, well, Roma snuck through. Maybe something else snuck through. And this is why I thought this would might be one of the ones. This was made by the Duplass brothers, and you know, they're the the Mark Duplass and I think Jay is the is the brother. They have been flying under the radar in Hollywood for many, many years, and they make such good movies and TV shows, and they're all character-driven and heartfelt, and uh, different genres, dramas, horror, they've done all sorts of different things. And this movie is a small, tiny, independent movie about two friends, one, they're neighbors, one lives on top of the other one, one's Ray Romano, and one's Mark Duplass, and then one of them realizes that he has cancer, and he decides that uh, instead of getting sick and going out, you know, uh, dying and sickly, he wants to um, basically go to a pharmacy, get a prescription, and end his life before mm. he gets really sick. So this is the journey that him and his friend go on. And, the you know, these guys are in their... Um, 50s, you know, Ray Romano is not in his 30s anymore. And uh, um, this movie is so good. It's like really heartfelt. It's a great drama. It's funny in parts, but, you know, it's billed as like a dark comedy or dramedy. It's not. It's a drama with funny parts in Mm. it. Because, you know, whenever you put a comedian in a drama movie, like the marketing, no, it's a dramedy. It's a comedy. No, you could call it a drama and still have a comedian in it. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you could say it's a drama with light-hearted moments, and it was. But it's exactly the kind of movie that streaming was made for. It's a smaller film. It's a character-driven film. It's a, a, a friendshipy type film. And it's not a big blockbuster. It doesn't need to go in a theatrical release. It's the exactly what, you know, so they got it right on many different levels, Netflix, on this. And one of the reasons, I think, is because Mark Duplass and the Duplass brothers, um, they're used to making their shit and being left alone. Right. So I think this is one of those things where they already know what they're doing. Like, they, they don't need studio notes. It's not a script that they had left over that, you know, Netflix brought out. It's not like getting a big deal with uh, Netflix to make four movies. I'm like, well, I don't have four movies. Let me just put The Cobbler or, uh, you know, um, The Hateful Eight together. Like, you know, the way Adam Sandler put his, his movies together. Um, this was... Uh, a really thought out, heartfelt, really great drama movie about a relationship between two guys. Now, there was a lot of improv in it, but here's what was so genius about it is everyone thinks improv is like, oh, well, they're just kind of saying whatever comes to mind and it's funny and that's what improv is. It is not. True improv is specific to the character. So if you have a well-developed character, what you say, even if it's funny, if it's out of character, doesn't work. So every joke, every line had to be not only funny, but in the character of what these people would these uh, guys would say and these are like you know introverted guys like ray romano is like borderline on the spectrum kind of kind of thing where you know these guys are just lonely all they have are each other they watch kung fu movies they eat frozen pizza and you know when one of them's dying it's it's their whole world is each other and uh it's just a great heartfelt character-driven movie and it's you know the the tone never breaks. The characters never break. Like every improv, every line is specific to these characters. And you believe every word that they say to each other. And you believe everything that they feel. And you could see Ray Romano was directed so well in this movie. Even though he was improvising lines, you know, that character was, you know, very specifically given to him. And he stayed in that character no matter what he was saying or doing. So 
I got to say, it's um, it's one of those diamonds in the rough for the uh, Netflix movies. And uh, uh, really check it out. These these guys did an amazing job, like Mark Duplass. Uh, and it's also the kind of movie where you're looking at these performances. And I'm like, is this going to get remembered uh, during, you know, nomination time? Like, you know, even just like a SAG Award or Golden Globe, they, they both do a fantastic job. It's really a, uh, you know, you could say that, you know, he might be one's the lead and one's the other, but really, it's I would say they're you know they're co leads in this movie. Like I guess, you know, when you submit for awards, you have to pick like well, which one's lead, which mm-hmm. one's supporting. But yeah, it's such bullshit. Yeah, it it really is yeah. because really I could easily see uh, okay, well these are these are easily either character could be lead because it's it's their story together. Really, it's not necessarily one story and one guy's like along for the ride. It's really their, the story of their friendship together. So when when you said that you really liked it, I was mm-hmm. like, I guarantee that neither Duplass directed it, and <laughs> no. neither Duplass directed it because no. there's a certain thing that happens when they collaborate with other people outside of themselves mm-hmm. where it gets better. Mm-hmm. But when they are left to their own devices, the movies that I've seen, they can't stick the ending. Mm-hmm. There's you know kind of a, a filler in the center. Even though there's these great characters, you're like, I know how to fix this. Why didn't they do that? <laughs> you know. But then you see that like there's a movie, uh, for instance, called uh, The One I Love, which is really wonderful. And mm-hmm. Mark Duplass is maybe on his best, and mm-hmm. um, Jay Duplass is at his best um, in a movie called um, uh, Oh God, is it Inside Out from last year? Mm-hmm. Um, and in they're working with other people, and I right. just appreciate mm-hmm. when they have new collaborators. Well, come yes. In. I, this is an interesting collaboration. So the director, Alex Lehman, is really more of a camera grip, apparently, but he's got uh, his, his Asperger's Are Us as a documentary, and then he did Blue Jay, Paddleton, and then a TV series on tour with Asperger's Are Us, which sounds like is what informed the Ray Romano's the character, Ray Romano yeah. character yeah. Mm-hmm. which is interesting, you know, and it's like, I, 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 you bring up a good, a good point, um, April, about the... I think it's when you have a, a filmmaking team that's good or whatever, but it is it, like, I would say Robert Rodriguez, when he <laughs> he needs to be, uh, when he's too much in itself and he edits his own films, I don't, like, I think that causes a problem. And, and when people work, when collaborate with other people, it, it does bring out the best because I think in some cases of filmmaker collaborations, there's obviously a lot of really fantastic examples of like, oh, when those two get to get together, man, they mm. really crank it out. But then sometimes it can fall into, well... Creative differences. Well, not even yeah. creative differences, but like, well, we always do it this way. Mm-hmm. Versus yeah. if, if you're working with somebody that's different, they're going to come in and go, how about this thing yeah. that right. you'd never have thought of? And they won't let you be lazy because that's, yeah. that's what we do, right? We're creating these things and, you know, we, we've got our rhythm and people have, you know, been like accepting of them and things are good enough. And you're like, mm-hmm. great. And you kind of keep coasting on that. But like, okay, someone comes in and says, you're being lazy. And you're like, actually, you're right. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you need to be challenged. You need to like... I'm going to try this thing. It feels uncomfortable. I've got this thing in my bag that I know works, but mm, I'm going to try the uncomfortable. Let's get out of our comfort zones. Let's get out of Mm -hmm. our comfort zones. And when you do that, it's like, oh man, that's, anything can happen. I will say this movie is um, probably fairly well in the Duplass Brothers comfort zone (laughs) as far as like, you know, characters and 
um, character-driven movies and type of thing. But that's okay. I mean, you know, it's interesting. They got Ray Romano out of his comfort zone because you don't really see him, you know, portraying characters like this. He's he's in Get Shorty now pretty, you know, until eternity at this point, Mm -hmm. right? That show's doing quite well, so... Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I, I I thought it was great. It was right. it was a really good movie, and it was a a, a small um, indie film that really deserves to find an audience. But it's like a great example of like this doesn't need to be in the theater. This is right. you know a perfect streaming movie that you know you could watch and uh, and really enjoy. Mm-hmm. All right, I saw on the plane to Chicago this documentary, The King, which is about Elvis Presley. So what happens is. The filmmaker got uh, Elvis's 63 Rolls Royce and drives across country and interviews people in the back of it and also has some sit-down interviews. And really kind of, it's amazing because the interview was was happening during the 2016 election. So we start sort of using the car and Elvis is sort of this. It has a political spin, this movie. For sure. It? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, um, you know, Elvis was sort of the working man's a rock star or whatever. I mean, the white was, working man, the white working man. <laughs> <rock star. laughs> yeah. And there's a, they get into a lot of that. They get yeah. into, they, and they have a different points of view. Some that, like the interview Van Jones, the CNN guy. And he's just like, my dad hated Elvis because he took these blues songs that these black artists had done. And he was really mad. And then they interview some other people who are like, Hey, Elvis, um, get, black music never would have gotten this recognized. Mm because it needed a white guy behind it. Sam Phillips saw this. Sam Phillips, the guy who ran Sun Records, was like, I can't, America, they will not buy records. I, I can't put a black artist singing these songs. And it, it just won't work. So he was like, Sam Phillips was literally like, I need a white face with a, with a black voice that gets black music. And they even go into the history. So Elvis, you know, he didn't steal the music necessarily because he grew up in Tupelo, Mississippi. He went to a black church. He listened to that kind of music. And you go and you interview all these people in Tupelo. But one of the things they're talking about, the backdrop of all of this is like the American dream is gone. Because mm-hmm. it was like in the 50s, post-war America, you worked hard, you you got a good job, you upward mobility. And they interview all these people who are just like, that's gone, man. There's no jobs. This is closed. That is closed. Um, and it's like that thing that, you know, Trump tapped into, like it or not, he tapped into that, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he ran on a populist message and, you know, there's, they're going to these towns, you know, Memphis. Didn't do anything about it, but he ran on it. (laughs) Yeah. So it was a full populist. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, but like. They're like, there's no jobs here, and we don't have this, and the only thing Tupelo has is Elvis. That's the only thing we have, you know. And this, we're out of business, and 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 it's really like, wow. And you're seeing, I mean, the director did a real. It's a really inventive way. You could just do a sit down documentary about Elvis, and it would be intriguing. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, all the talking head stuff that which has probably been done before. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a million documentaries about this guy, but this under the backdrop of America today, and you know, sort of, um, and then as Elvis, you know, Colonel Tom Parker, oh my God, came in and said, hey, we'll do a 50-50 down the middle. Oh, you got it. You're a manager. You should get 10 to 15% at the most. And how he just drove Elvis later in his life when he got out of the army 
and just made him do this dumb this thing after and elvis was like oh it's the studio model Mm -hmm. yeah when the studio would put the actors under contract and like well no we own you now you have Mm -hmm. to do this many pictures and this much publicity and basically do whatever we tell you to do yeah Mm. and so there was always that and this is always the thing that comes up in the elvis documentaries but they did a good job in this one of like what could have been could he have been this like soulful entertainer and this amazing actor that did really gritty work but no he was just doing those Elvis movies, which was the same storyline, mm. you know. And they interviewed, like, they interviewed Chuck D from Public Enemy, who's got that famous line, Elvis was a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me, motherfuck him and John Wayne, you know. <laughs> he, was, he was racist straight up and plain, motherfuck him and John Wayne, and they interviewed yeah. Chuck D, and he's like, yeah, I took a lot of shit for that, because people, like, Elvis is this icon. Of, On a pedestal. Uh, yeah, and, and, but Chuck also made a good point. He goes, and it almost sounds like maybe he's, thought about this since that lyric dropped in the 89 or 90 whenever that yeah it's been a while it's been a while yeah. and now mm-hmm. the john wayne conversation is just like oh he was definitely right about john wayne yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. well chuck d made a good point he goes to say that elvis shouldn't have been allowed to do black music is just as ridiculous as saying a black person can't do classical because right they, you know they weren't they're not of german an- ancestry or whatever yeah. like it's you know remember uh there was a band uh Living Color, remember them? Mm-hmm. They were basically a black heavy metal band. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's crazy. I'm like, why? Why? Why is it crazy? They can they, do it. They can do whatever they want. Anyone should yeah. be able to play whatever they want. And they're, they're a good heavy metal yeah, band. Yeah, they're fucking, rock. <laughs> they're fucking bad brains, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it's it's really, and it's 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 more than just a, a history lesson on Elvis. It's more of like America and, you know, how the middle class is collapsing and all of the, Amer- and, you know, Elvis was the American dream. And yeah. what happened? He got exploited. He became a drug addict. <laughs> That's so smart, though. I really appreciate documentaries that are trying to do that. I feel like the new Sam Cooke documentary that's on Netflix did oh, that too. That's great because one. right, you're you're looking at a global thing that is of importance to many people as opposed to just the sit-down documentary that's only important to a couple of people who care about the artist. But, you know, you're trying to make them relevant in what they stood for and put them in a context. You don't have to be a diehard Elvis fan to like this documentary. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what that's what you're talking it makes it that's what makes it fantastic and they bring up a lot of stuff like oh, Elvis helped out you know um some black musicians but then chuck d's like never saw him in the civil rights marches in the 60s you know charlton heston was doing that and he named a bunch of other like white celebrities he's like where was elvis he didn't want to cause any controversy and colonel tom parker was like no no Mm. and Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, he was getting that in his, whispered in his ear. No, you can't. You can't go on. You, you can't make there. a stance on Vietnam. You can't mm-hmm. make a stance on any of this. You know. And then they talk about the '68 comeback special, that TV special he did, which was sort of Elvis in his prime again, being Elvis. Mm-hmm. And you know, he did that song "If I Can Dream." That's like the closest he got to commenting on because it was '68. So Bobby had been assassinated. Dr. King had been assassinated already. Um, we were in the height of Vietnam protests. Um, but that was like the most Elvis could commit to in terms of mm-hmm. <laughs> talking about it. So it was, mm-hmm. it's, it's a fascinating documentary. It is really, it really, and it interviews a lot of just working class, regular people throughout the country as they travel mm-hmm. around the country. And they interview, God, I forget this guy's name, this like rapper who's all of his, his modern, his raps are all just about 
capitalism has gutted us and everyone's mm-hmm. lying. Both parties are lying. I mean, it's really party dude. Yeah, it's just like, wow. So it's a, it's a, it's a really, I don't know where you find it unless you're flying United, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it is on iTunes though. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's worth saying. All right, so uh, we'll talk about Greta Yes, real quick. Uh, you saw Greta, saw so tell us about that movie. I saw Greta! Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully people who are listening know about the, the concept of the Grand Dame Guignol, which is the mm-hmm. essentially uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane and Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte and any of those movies that fit the bill of a psycho biddy, so the mm-hmm. older woman who is, you know, kind of enslaving and, and torturing um, a, a younger or a more sprightly woman yeah, but did she know she was a vampire when she was entrapping her <laughs> <laughs> no. No, um so yeah chloe grace moretz yeah chloe grace moretz and uh isabel hubert and it's directed by neil jordan who people remember from the crying game mm-hmm. and uh it's very different from the crying game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, Chloe I'm, doesn't have a dick. It's so, it's so like it's one of those things where like um, I'm sure I wonder if people will go into this being like, oh, you know, that was a very interesting depiction of like a trans woman, you know, the crying game, and and they'll be like, oh, I would like to see this, and then they're like, they'll get Greta, which is a more you know kind of uh, obvious and and right. you know fun kind of thing like there's blood there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh syringes going into people <laughs> <laughs> Good syringe pick yeah. a, lot of, a lot of syringe mm-hmm. action a lot of stalking um, yeah mm-hmm. a lot of stalking um it is it's an interesting thing um my husband liked it more than i did mm-hmm. but i tend to watch more of these movies because mm-hmm. this is my genre <laughs> uh and so to me i felt like some of the pacing was a little bit wonky and I just wanted I got a little bit bored in some mm-hmm. parts of it because I'm so used to the kind of um, really grand over the top performances and I think that Isabelle Huppert is definitely delivering in some parts mm-hmm. you know definitely mm-hmm. towards the end but uh, I guess I was hoping for a little bit more of that um, front loaded into the story mm-hmm. um, you know I, I wanted her to be just a larger than life force and I wanted uh, the other actors to maybe play off of that. But it felt like they were in two different movies, you know? Oh, like wow. Chloe Grace Moretz was not oh, in this movie. She was in kind of like a 90s, not even a 90s, but like an aughts kind of like a young thriller movie, you know? <laughs> kind of like cheap dialogue and, you know, female friendships that don't really ring true at all. And... Um, <laughs> And then, you know, Isabel Hubert is in some, like, European psychodrama. And those are right. two different movies that were happening simultaneously. And some parts of that friction worked for me. Some parts didn't. You know, it's it was still fun. I still recommend seeing it. But I saw uh, the trailer for it. And I, I it's funny. I had that reaction just from the trailer. Oh, really? Like, huh, is this going to be really interesting because it's so sort of disjointed? Is yeah. that part of its charm? Or is it? Is it disjointed because they there was like a script problem or something like that? Or, and it's also all elements we've seen before in different movies. That's part of it. Because <laughs> it's got a really great concept to open it up. Mm-hmm. I really like the concept. Mm-hmm. But there's just not enough um, tension for me. There just wasn't enough tension. If you think about like 
you guys do you like um hush hush sweet charlotte or mm-hmm. or whatever happened to baby jane those movies it's like, been a while since i've some of that seen kind of baby stuff jane yeah from the, yeah i i just i love the direction of those because you're supposed to feel um weird throughout right. you know mm-hmm. so like robert aldrich the way that he would direct his psycho biddies was just you know a lot of strange dutch angles or shooting upward on a staircase lots of shadows and mm-hmm. and you know this one is definitely more of like a daytime horror and and that's an interesting thing sometimes that works i love when you can do a daytime horror mm-hmm. well obviously texas chainsaw massacre <laughs> is one of the greatest but um for some reason there just wasn't a lot of texture here for me mm. uh, interesting Interesting. All right. All right. So uh, now we have our Patreon sponsors. What's up, Patreon yeah, we sponsors? we have a new one. Actually, Thank you so much for yes. supporting the show at patreon.com slash comedy film nerds. And we have a returning Patreon sponsor. Mm. Uh, Will Leonard, his wife, uh, Katie Bagwell, is once again riding the MS-150, a fundraising ride that's helping fuel progress toward a world free of MS to ride from Houston to Austin at the end of April. The money raised will help fund amazing progress in MS research. And uh, you can reach her donation page at willthetd.com slash CFN. Will, W-I-L-L-T-H-E-T-D dot com slash CFN. And Johnny Rulon is promoting his novel Green Cheek, A Junkie's Guide to Street Magic. It's on Amazon, both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel which follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and her mortal lover T.S. on a journey through time dreams and the hidden places of a supernatural America. The website is happyhorrorshowproductions.com, happyhorrorshowproductions.com. And the Audacity Performing Arts Project produces after-school performing arts projects in poor, underfunded, and low-performing schools. Performing arts education is not a luxury. Please visit them at audacityperformingarts.com. That's audacityperformingarts.com. And from Chris Parker Howard, Coffee Over Suicide. A dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death one cup of coffee at a time. Get cut up on season one now before season two premieres in April. And find out more at coffeeoversuicide.com. That's coffeeoversuicide.com. And Alice Frazier, co-host of the Bugle podcast, host of Tea with Alice, brings you a series of three genre-bending solo stand-up shows that explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. They were recorded back-to-back as a three-hour show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival with a binaural microphone, which creates an intensely immersive listening experience. Go to alicefraser.com, alicefraser.com. And Rebecca Evans, the art podcast. We move past hesitation and we're true to ourselves and find our own art in life. Want to hear some fun stories and get inspired? Check out the art. Facebook.com slash the art podcasts with an S. Facebook.com slash the art podcasts. And La Calavera by Alan Ross, the story of a pirate radio operator decides to go into the pirate cable TV business. Darren Loney, together with a group of misfits and the questionable guidance of a spiritual advisor in the form of Richard Nixon, gear up to take on the world's largest media conglomerate and its egomaniacal celebrity CEO. Check it out on Amazon and ebook and hard copy. All right. right. Thank you all for supporting the show. When you go to the patreon.com slash comedy film nerds, you allow us to do many fun things. And like we had said before, we are going to be redoing the uh, Patreon CFN page. That'll be probably later in the month. We'll be, uh, we'll be doing a little, we already made some little tweaks to it. We did, but the, um, we'll definitely, we're not getting rid of, uh, (laughs) you know, the ad tier. That's for sure. We're just going to make a couple of tweaks. That's for sure. All right, let's watch this trailer. Now, this is the new Hellboy. Yes, the Red Band trailer that just came out. Boy, I hate the trailer before the trailer. It's ridiculous. (laughs) 
on an island off the coast of Scotland. Starting with an origin story, which we don't really need. We've already had two Hellboy movies. Something that would end mankind. Nazis. Mm -hmm. Yep. During World War II, we know that's when Hellboy came in. Show up. Oh, yes. Baby David Harbour. You did. face every threat there is, and yet you take me in. Hello, son. You made me a goddamn weapon. Where's my fucking violin? It's a red band trailer for someone said fuck. Out there, there's a fifth century sorceress who wants to bring down the curtain on London and the world. Great homework. Monsters, ghosts, yes, this is Hellboy. You were meant for this. Out of the ashes, new Eden will emerge. Oh, okay, I'd appreciate a prophecy with more relatable stakes. <laughs> it's not Guillermo del Toro. I could tell without the style, you know? Yeah, come on, let's do this. And that one character turns into a, a jaguar monster. Neil Marshall. Oh yeah, that's right. The Descent. Be my king. It's like riding a dragon. <laughs> He was directing on Game of Thrones, if I remember correctly. Oh. So maybe he was influenced. I'm a Capricorn and you're fucking nuts! Well, I like this trailer a lot better than the first one. So um, I'm cautiously optimistic now about this one. Okay. Yeah. I mean... I never, Hellboy. Gave, I never gave a shit about this franchise. <laughs> so it's hard for me to get excited. Yeah, I've read all of them, so I've been. I'm a fan. You're a Hellboy. fan. Yeah, and I go see Mike Mignola at Comic Con and stop by his booth and usually buy a shirt or a hat every time. So <laughs> I liked the Ron Perlman mm-hmm. version. I, yeah, I liked him. There's two uh, two decent movies because Del Toro did both of them too. And right, they, they definitely have his fingerprints and style all over those movies. So let's check out the next one, Rocket Man. Teaser trailer. There are moments in a rock star's life that define who he is. Get this trailer up before people forget about Bohemian Rhapsody. (laughs) There is no you. And it's going to be a wild ride. I wonder if this will be up for best costume design. Touchdown brings me round again to find I'm not 
was interesting to see a biopic of someone who's still alive too. Mm-hmm. So it'll it'll definitely be interesting. I'm I I'm not sure about that when I watch that trailer. Yeah, I know. It's like a go either way. It is, because mm-hmm. part of me is like the stylized where they all start floating. That could be cool because now it's not just a paint by the numbers biopic. I mm-hmm. prefer it. I I prefer when the format fits the the character. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I really love Jackie. People will argue with me about it, but I love Jackie <laughs> because to me the form feels different for a biopic and it fits the kind of frantic state of the movie. Mm-hmm. Bohemian mm-hmm. Rhapsody did not do that. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Is some sometimes they just sort of Yeah, so I don't know. I, but then he is he singing? Because man, he doesn't sound like Elton John. It has yeah. to be him singing. That's the first thing that's I was the, thinking, too. Well, that doesn't sound like Elton John. And that, <laughs> that was taking me out of it, if right. I'm like, because Elton John has an amazing voice and a very right. distinctive voice, obviously. So and then when you have... He's also not Scottish. Who's doing the voiceover on that I don't know. Yeah. The guys from Trainspotting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just brought him in. They just brought... <laughs> I don't know. They were available. What are we? <laughs> Any accent will do. This is fine. Something from that island. <laughs> so yeah, Still I don't know. Okay, what does it matter? I yeah. <laughs> I I'm gonna see it. Yeah. Because I like Elton John, mm-hmm. and I want it to be cool. Right. I want to be like, oh man, that scene where everyone floats was so awesome, and you but really you, just you know you wonder about that too. Like you're saying, it's like you know, it's could they find an actor that might have been from the same area is elton john they get like the dialect and stuff just just right you mm-hmm. know and like well it's too hard to look <laughs> it's too hard to find somebody there yeah elton john is australian Taron Egerton. oh hmm. yeah he's not from the same place <laughs> not, no. not, close. <laughs> not the same continent no like. <laughs> no it's a little little further away <laughs> Um, they do have a Union Jack within their flag, yeah. but it, it's not. Yeah, I don't know. So we'll see. All right. So now I want to mention this uh, because I, uh, especially for Star Wars fans that are coming up, um, I went to Disneyland over the weekend for my 50th birthday. Wow. That's wild. Yes. Um, turning 50 and I spent it, I realized I'm recording a podcast and then I got my braces adjusted. So at 50, I have the life of a teenage boy. So... <laughs> Are you going to break out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, went to uh, Disneyland with my family, and I have to say, they have a new thing down at this area, like downtown Disney. It's like Universal City Walk. They have a VR experience, a Star Wars one, that's uh, Secrets of the Empire. It doesn't matter what it's called. It's fucking amazing. Really? And uh, you literally put on an entire rig. My whole family did it. It's four people going at a time. So it was just my family. We were the only ones in it. And it literally lowers down from a harness. So Hmm. it's got a giant computer on your back, the VR, and a chest plate that goes on. And you go into this room and then all of a sudden... You know, the, the goggles come down, and then the first thing you do, you realize you're in, like, a corridor um, in, like, the Death Star or whatever, and you see each other. That's the first thing you do is, like, you because the computer um, gives the feedback of where the other people are in the room. So I'm seeing, like, my daughter, my wife, and my son all as stormtroopers because we're all stormtroopers. But then they well, that's get, how I see you. Yeah, <laughs> as a family. As yeah, stormtroopers. But the, you, they get the height right, too. So my 10-year-old was a tiny little stormtrooper, and then everyone else was, like, their actual height. 
So, and then a door opens and then the droid comes out and says, you got to come in here and then we're going on a secret mission, all that stuff. So you actually walk through a door. It's not like you sit and do virtual reality. You walk through the environment. So you go through and it's like, all right, sit there. So, you know, you're looking at everything. You're in a shuttle, but there's an actual bench that you sit down and then the shuttle takes you to the mission. And uh, you're like solving puzzles on the walls. There's like levers and buttons, but you see it all in the virtual uh, space. And then they're like, all right, well, now we, we're we going to have to fight our way out. And then a panel opens up and there's blasters there. You each pick up a blaster and then you're shooting stormtroopers as, as they're shooting back at you. And then you get feedback. If you get hit, you feel it in your chest. So, and then, you you know, you're trying to go through corridors. You're on like skiffs and you know, you're moving around and then you see lava. It gets warmer. Like it's the most intense VR experience I've ever had and if you're a Star Wars fan you got to check it out it's called The Void and they're building them like all over the country so uh, but it was it's like there's VR and then oh these guys made a holodeck it's like it's like that <laughs> that kind of that kind of level you know that it goes to <laughs> all right so go to the Disney holodeck yes pretty much yeah okay. you can either pick Star Wars or Wreck-It Ralph they have a Wreck-It Ralph one too all right I'm in so all right, and DVD and Blu-ray. Um, and VOD. And, v- and VOD on demand, indeed. Uh, we have Creed 2. Now, I liked this movie. I got a, some flack about liking this movie. I actually liked it. I thought it was following kind of the Rocky model, where the first movie was a little more dramatic and heartfelt. But then, you know, when Rocky 2 and, um, you know, Rocky 3 and Rocky 4, it got to be more popcorny movies with less dramatic elements. I really felt like this was you know, more of a Rocky Four kind of thing, which didn't bother me, the format, uh, because, you know, you've got the big fight with the Russian and all those things. And I, I thought I thought it did a good job with what it was trying to be. And, um, you know, I forgave the flaws, and I, I still liked it. I thought Creed Two was still a good movie. Some people hated it. Did you see this movie, April? I didn't hate it, but mm-hmm. I thought that the pacing was so weird. Mm-hmm. I could not figure it out. It just felt like there was a fight, and then there was another fight. <laughs> and then there was a fight. And then there was another fight. But you don't know exactly which ones are going to be the real important ones. Like, there's just not like a lot of um, kind of building up any mm-hmm. kind of tension to anything. So right. I don't need them all to be dramatic. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be that kind of thing. And in fact, I would say that the dramatic stuff didn't work for me in this. Right. And I was just like, maybe just forget about that and just make it about fighting the Russian. I don't mm-hmm. know. Well, that's what Rocky Four did, really. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Rocky, all the other Rocky movies, they always just some, they don't, they always build up to the final fight. Yes, mm-hmm. so that you can have just like, oh, he won these, mm-hmm. these were tune-ups or whatever. Right. This is mm-hmm. you know, this is how he became champ yeah. or defended yeah. the belt or whatever. And uh, you know, let me see him train in the snow. Finally, okay, <laughs> yes, <laughs> over and over. Um, Instant Family. This is, I think, this, was this the Mark Wahlberg movie that? Uh, it was. Um, it was. This is one of those movies that are like, oh, did that come out? Oh no, it already came out. And it's done. All right. Uh, Amazed this it. wasn't on my flights. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is an airplane movie. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like designed for United. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like, I'm amazed they didn't just like. They shot it on the like yeah, the screen the- <laughs> size of the back of a <laughs> back of a blue seat. Oh. So, and the next movie is uh, Green Book that is out now. And uh, actually, one of the extras on the DVD that uh, they just added is was explaining a, why they never interviewed the family. No, it's a uh, Spike Lee walking out of the Oscars. So, for uh, no, I just made nah. <laughs> there was like was a like, half second where I was just like, oh shit, damn. no, they did not. Yeah. 
But I was like, but, oh, what a baller and, and move I have, if they did. I have a correction we have to make on this show. You, me, and Doug all got this wrong. And then we got to correct it on Facebook as uh, um, the actual driver did not, wasn't the screener. It was his son. <laughs> and it was, it was such an obvious thing. I'm like, yeah, he would have been about 100 some years old yeah. if, we was, if it was the original right. guy. So we never, we never made that clear in the podcast. Also, like the epilogue is like <laughs> he's dead. They yeah. remain like friends the, until they died. Yeah, or something. Yeah. Like, like within months apart, because yeah. they were so heartbroken. Apparently, you know, yeah. like despite the fact that we can't find any pictures of them together. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. A lot of feelings. So, um, so yeah, that's this is the kind of movie that. Uh, um, Make of it as what you will for this movie. It's, uh, you know, you can enjoy it. You can know the history. You can know the, um, let's call them discrepancies in yeah. the uh, stories. You Hollywood can, whitewashing. Yeah, you can you can do all that. You could still enjoy the movie or you could not. You could do whatever you yeah, want with this I movie. Mean, as was my thing, I just went in there kind of cold. As a movie, mm-hmm. good acting, good yeah. directing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some real moments and real yeah, takeaways to the movie. movie. Yeah, it's a yeah. Hollywood movie. You're like, uh-huh. ah, yes, a Hollywood movie. This yeah. is <laughs> yes. all the... Mm-hmm. Like, my favorite part was like, I was watching it at um, a screener at home for voting and um, my husband walked in and he was just like, oh no, the black man and the white man are laughing together. And I was like, what? And he's like, that means something bad is about to happen to the black man. Like, <laughs> and, and they were like 60 seconds later or something mm-hmm. terrible. And like, so I was thinking about the formula of sure. these movies and I'm like, wow, they hit everything mm-hmm. yep. to a T, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it was a, um, it was a, basically a paint-by-number structure that you just kind of yep. fill yeah. in, filled in. Which uh, you can like if you yeah. want. Now, um, the favorite, that's different. You shouldn't like this movie at all. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say one of the best of last year. <laughs> so good. I split on this movie. Like it, I, It's like all over the place. There's no mediocre response to this movie. People either love it or, like me, thought it was just awful. And uh, this is where we can I just agree to disagree. I look forward to talking to you in 10 years when you know mm. you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, in 10 years, I will revisit this movie and uh, watch it again and see if my opinion changes. I'll get a text on a space <laughs> yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you were right. Darn it. <laughs> society will have collapsed. Yeah. yeah. You guys will bump into each other in a post-apocalyptic nightmare. Yeah. And that and... will be the only movie that's left. Yes. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> like you're right. I guess yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's right? awesome. yeah. The only one that survived. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Free Solo also came out. Now I, I never get a chance to see this movie. I'm excited to see it. Especially Doug really liked it. I feel and, like it's uh, and have, everyone like who saw it really liked. And it. I feel like you should see it on a big screen because right. of the photography of the climbing mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I should uh, uh, caveat for me. I wrote a lot of copy for this movie for Nat Geo. I do some work for them. Oh, okay. So uh, I just need people to know that. But then I'm going to say that I love this movie. Right. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, I was watching it on a tiny laptop screen, like an unfinished version, mm-hmm. and was just like, oh, shit. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
to the point where I'm sure my neighbors were like, is she fucking or what? Oh, like, no. <laughs> very and why terrifying. is she so scared? Just, oh, no. <laughs> They're like, what's happening? <laughs> um, so it's a very intense movie, and it also kind of shines this in- interesting light on these types of people that we always profile in these sports documentaries because it reminds people that like they're freaks it's just Mm -hmm. like hey just to let you know like this none of this is normal and there's there are people who are affected by what he's doing and it's driving them insane yeah (laughs) it's like no one well you always ask yourself what type of a person would climb the face of a fucking mountain without any without anything Mm -hmm. yeah a regular rock climber is a little off their goddamn gourd right yeah Mm -hmm. you know so what you that's you are talking about an extreme personality yeah. right. that is like one one thousandth of a percentage of the population mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like oh, that. Yeah. Um, now, I'm sure I haven't seen the movie yet, but there's got to be some dialogue about he's sure he will never fall. Like that no. kind of thing. He's, mm-hmm. he's, sure, he's sure that he might. <laughs> oh, okay. He's, he's a really weird person mm-hmm. and just kind of like accepts that like if that's what happens, then that's what happens. But he's an over-preparer to the point where it's like you can tell that they might be on the spectrum of some sort. Oh, okay. Um, and so he's he's over-preparing to like the tiniest degree of, you know, like this millimeter of space on this rock is where this little pinky is going to go. It's oh, really wow. fascinating. Mm. Very fascinating. All right, now I want to check it out even more. I think those extreme sports people always just are like, yeah, I could die. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm doing it. Like the big wave surfing documentaries that I've watched, they're all just like, yeah, you. Isn't there like a kind of a hint of like thinking you're immortal in you know the extreme sports? No, there's not. No. Oh, okay, they're very aware of it. Mm. For the ones that the docs that I've seen and some of the people that I've met, they're very aware because every year people die from this. Yeah, right. I've seen Point Break. I know it's a real <laughs> thing. Brody is or Bodie. <laughs> Bodie. Bodie. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, and the next one is Vox Lux. This is the um, um, uh, the kind of like remember this weird singer type movie that uh, it was like is it they trying to make fun of Lady Gaga? I'm not sure. This was the um, um, oh yeah with um, Natalie Portman. Yeah, yeah. Brady Corbett's movie. Yes. Yeah, it was. It was Did like, you see it? I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. It's so weird. It is hitting all of my spots of like halfway through. I was like, do I hate this? Do I hate this? Nope. Nope. <laughs> I'm just going to go through and I'm going to love it. And I'm going to appreciate like, every choice. Partly like a crime movie at some point. Yes. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> the trailer makes no sense. No. And it mm-hmm. can't. There is no way to make a trailer for this. He made a movie that you can't make a trailer for and mm-hmm. I'm sure that it drove the trailer houses really insane. <laughs> um, you can't describe it without revealing every single spoiler. Uh, there's a huge fight about whether it's poptimism or whether it's anti-poptimism. And I just love it. I think it is mm-hmm. so weird and I will never see anything else like it. And Sia wrote, um, Sia the pop star, mm-hmm. uh, she wrote um, all the songs for it. So it has oh. all these interesting dark uh, melodies that are mm. threaded throughout and it is Natalie Portman's accent I'm just so into it she's like uh, she's doing the extra thing she's doing like the Isabelle Huppert thing and Greta mm-hmm. where it's just like thank you for being in whatever movie you're being in mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it literally it came and went like it felt like it It was they were trying yeah. to position it a little bit as a as a awards type movie but then yeah. it like disappeared like almost instantly because it's too weird mm-hmm. there's like 
I mean, I love weird movies because mm-hmm. I'm ahead of the curve, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, it's a real hard fucking sell. Even like mm-hmm. some of my best friends were like, "Yeah, this made me angry." You know, <laughs> sorry. Well, you've got me curious to see it now for sure. You'll you'll won't uh, you won't have a middling opinion. I can't mm-hmm. imagine. Yeah. So. All right. All right. I doubt I'll see it on a plane though. Sounds oh, like God. it's not a plane movie. Oh, I hope someday. <laughs> <laughs> and the last movie is Ben is Back. This is the um, uh, Julia Roberts uh, with the the drug addicted side. Right. Mm-hmm. right. This is the whole wave of yes, the drug wave. addict son movies that came mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Uh, Beautiful Boy. And... Or, or Sumka getting him into therapy. Yeah. Or even, yeah, yeah. The conversion therapy movie. Beautiful Ben Erased. Yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Boy Erased. And... Uh, so uh, now, did you see this one? No, okay. I didn't see any. I didn't see any of the three. The, okay. the beautiful Ben erased. I just, <laughs> this, I just couldn't. I didn't have it in me. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen like every single other movie, but something about those trio coming out at the same time well, was just like I just can't do it. I will say, I will say, the yeah. boy erased. It wasn't a, a perfect movie, but um, Nicole Kidman should have been nominated for supporting. Really? I mean, okay. Yeah, she did a really good job. <laughs> Beautiful um, Boy was really good. I liked it a lot. It's based good. on a true story and a book and everything. And I, Steve Carell did it really. Everybody, it was good ensemble cast. And that's Timothy Chalamet with him, right? Is that the one? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. All right. And then the site spotlight and the fan feedback. I want to uh, talk to you guys about this is uh, our final month of clearing out uh, some of the store, including all the uh, Dana Gold merch. Everything is 20% off. And uh, just use the coupon code Dana and free T-shirt with every T-shirt order. So you buy two T-shirts, you're going to get four. So uh, check that out. Also, um, Allison Rosen's merch, use the, the coupon code Snuggle for 20% off. And Jackie Cation, 20% off, use the code DORK. And uh, because this is the last month, the end of the month, all that stuff is getting a return. Anything we haven't sold, they will, it will be out of the store. So check it out. Pay... Um, um, pay less. Why not? Why not pay less? Get some free stuff. You know, you buy an Allison Rosen shirt, you're going to get a free one too. Come on now. You're going to get a free mystery shirt. So uh, buy two. Buy Dana Gould. Buy uh, Allison, and you get another two free it? shirts. Coming out this week, Captain Marvel. Yes, now you got a little preview here little before taste. we saw it. It's got a little aperitif. And then we're going to uh, be doing a spoiler and a regular episode. We'll be talking about Captain Marvel a fair amount. However, not next week because we have a special. Uh, um, movie summer movie preview with Laura House because uh, Graham will be on the road, so that'll be a uh, a banked dropped episode for yep. next week. But uh, as soon as um, is physically able, we will be recording a spoiler up for Captain Marvel. Do it. And uh, Apollo Eleven. This is a documentary. Um, I saw the trailer for this, and I'm like, what? kind of looks okay but it also looks like well i i feel like i already saw this on the discovery channel kind of thing like uh like i'm not sure what this is bringing to the apollo table this documentary that's <laughs> uh, for nerds like me yeah i'm an apollo 11 moon landing nerd mm-hmm. i think it's gonna be really good yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm like i'm down with yeah, mm-hmm. I'm done it, with this. In a sense, it, it reminds me in form and structure uh, of Jane, the Brett Morgan documentary on Jane mm-hmm. Goodall, because it's all found footage that they right, had. Right. They have to reconstruct mm-hmm. into this narrative with new sound and you know mm-hmm. new color and that kind of thing. And I'm sure it'll move first than I'm sure it'll move quicker than First Man, though. Yeah, <laughs> and this summer is the 50th anniversary of the landing of the moon. Oh, there we go. You know, allegedly. So. <laughs> all right. <laughs> 
Here we go. Just, no one told me that was the this place. That... I'm saying they went a year earlier. I think it's 51. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, God. Listen to Sam Tripoli's tinfoil hat podcast, everybody, where you get to find... They landed on the goddamn moon. I, I have to say, though, that's my favorite conspiracy theory out of all of them. Because it's like, so easy to refute. Yes, so easy exactly. To go. They, like, no, they absolutely like, did it. It's like flat earth. It's like, well, re- are you sure you yeah. want to, you, that's where you want to stay? Flat, the earth is flat? Oh, really? flat earth is like, have you ever sat in a window seat on yeah. an airplane? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ever done that's, that? Uh, that's, uh, they're definitely one of my favorites. It's like the moon landing. Like, really? That's, that's fake? Out of everything? That, of that's it. what you're going to pick? The, the moon landing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So, um, and How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, it is out already, but I wanted to talk about it because it, it, it's one one that I um, I definitely still want to see. It looks really good. Yeah. As a fa- I'm a fan of the franchise. I, I, lo- I wasn't, I didn't love the second one, but I did love the first one. So I'm really anxious to see how they uh, I, wrap up. Yeah, the I like them. I'm a little, mm-hmm. the, the trailer for, for, for Dragon 3 was a little like, Feels like the same storylines. <laughs> a bunch of crazy bad dragons. There's a guy that mm-hmm. wants to get them, get rid of them, mm-hmm. right? They gotta go fight them. Yeah, a little you know, more it's of like the same. life. It's just yeah. life is just constantly. There's more bad dragons. Like yeah. you don't, you don't get rid of them forever. You no, know? You they don't. come back. Mm-hmm. They always come they make back. more. There's more <laughs> dragons. All right, folks, that is our episode. Um, April Wolf, thank you so much for coming out. Thanks for having me. Where can people listen to you, find you online? Um, you can see me screaming on Twitter. That's you know, where <laughs> that happens. <laughs> Complain about something. I'm a wolf full of people want to follow. Otherwise, Switchblade Sisters and Who Shot Ya are both on Maximum Fun Network. Awesome. Check those out. Um, Progressive Comedy Tour this week. We're coming to the Gulf States, March 10th through the 13th. Ron Placone and I are coming to Lafayette, Louisiana, Oxford, Mississippi, Pensacola, Florida, and New Orleans, the Big Easy. Go to GrahamElwood.com. Oh, get your tickets, everybody. Uh, I, I've i never been in the state of Mississippi. Ever? I've maybe driven through like a corner of it, but I've mm-hmm. never performed in it. So this is my first time ever performing in. Oh, cool. Yep. Well, hope it goes well. So, who knows? <laughs> Might be my last run, guys. <laughs> um, so go to GrahamElwood.com. All right. And uh, please check out uh, the long ago far away graphic novel. The hard copies are at uh, uh, ComedyFilmNerds.com. It will be digital with under Starburns Press. In, uh, it's looking like uh, April-ish, late April. And it'll start uh, releasing digitally there. That's Dan Harmon's company. And check out the, my other podcast, Conversations from the Abyss, and uh, really fun 15-minute Twilight Zone-y uh, episodes. The one called Alive is available right now, and it features Laura House, Paul Gilmartin, and uh, a little cameo by Mr. Graham Elwood about a man who has an unusual conversation with his phone while he drives. Check it out. All right, guys, that's our episode. Thank you, April. Thank you, Aaron Brungart, and everybody at the All Things Comedy World Headquarters. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han Han shot shot first. first. R.I.P. Brody.